0: And it's good to be home. I, I said it a couple times in the team up here. I just, I, I love this place. And uh, you go away for a week, and we were away a little bit in May as well. And it's just, it makes you just long for home. And that, that's a good thing. And uh, you all are a part of that. And uh, the privilege of uh, preaching the Word of God to you. Matthew chapter 5. We're going to go back into our series that we have entitled The Beatitudes of The kingdom is ours. The kingdom is ours. And we've been just kind of methodically working our way through uh, these beatitudes. And then we're spending two weeks on each one of them. And uh, to kind of dive in deeper uh, the the following week. But my prayer this morning is that God will use this message as we look at blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. Look at verse number 5. Matthew chapter 5, verse number 5, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. This morning, I wonder what comes to your mind when you think of the word meekness. When you think of the word meekness, obviously I'm going to try to do my best to define that for you over and over again here this morning, but, but what is it that comes into your mind when you think of the word meekness? Is a meek person someone who is soft-spoken or maybe a person who has a limp handshake or perhaps a person who's easily pushed over or doesn't maybe seem to have much of a, a spine What is Christ calling us to here in this text? What is meekness? What what does it look like? This past week, it actually was the week prior when I was working on the sermon, but before we went away for some time as a family, I thought of the the children's hymn written by Charles Wesley. It says this, gentle Jesus, meek and mild… When you put the word meek and mild together, it kind of gives you an impression of maybe being weak or limp or lacking of strength. And for any of us in here that maybe like to watch football, you know, that's kind of really not how we want to approach life. It's not a thing that we want to we go after. But we have seen in these Beatitudes that they are connected to a fountain of blessing. And so Jesus is telling you and Jesus is telling me that we ought to be going after these. We ought to be getting as much of these attitudes, these descriptions, as we possibly can in our lives. And one of them is meekness. The statement that our Lord makes here, and the very kind of beginning still of the Sermon on the Mount, which is chapter 5, 6, and 7 of Matthew. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. This was a shocking statement to the audience that sat on that hillside as Jesus began to speak. In fact, both Beatitudes that we've already studied at the beginning of of our summer months here really would have been shocking to these individuals. Jesus called for things that were absolutely foreign to their thinking. They knew how to be spiritually proud. They knew how to be self-sufficient. They knew how to play the, the, the pious role. They knew about Religion and JV at ten o'clock has been kind of beginning the journey of diving in the difference between religion and relationship. But but they knew about religion. They really were good at the form of religiosity. They thought that they were in the in group. They thought that they could survive on their own strength and wisdom and resources. Perhaps they expected the Messiah when he arrived to say, I'm here to commend you for your great religiosity. But our Lord opened up his sermon and his really kind of ministry to them and said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Note those who think that they are righteous, not commending them, but those who know they are bankrupt sinners before a holy and righteous God. Blessed are they that mourn, right? For they will be comforted, not those who are confident in themselves, but those who are mourning over their sins. And we spent two weeks in that text. Blessed are the meek, as we see here, for they shall inherit the earth, not those who are proud, but those who are humble. They didn't understand this. This isn't what they expected They had banked everything on their spirituality. They had banked everything on the the pride that they would have had as being uh, the, the, the people of God. And Jesus undermined all of it in his very first sermon. So when I began a few weeks ago to seriously study this beatitude, I asked the question, what do I think Jesus is referring to here? what is this meekness that i am to go after and i'm to go after it so much that that it will literally bless my life i'm I'm supposed to get as much as i possibly can get of this i want us if you'll allow me to to reset the meaning that many of us might have may be influenced by just society of what meekness means. And I want us to see it through the power and through the lens of the Holy Spirit of God speaking to us. Matthew Henry uh, wrote in his book, A Discourse on Meekness and Quietness of Spirit. He points out that in Latin, a meek man was called Mansuetus. There are two words that go along with that. It's the word menu, which means hand, and the word asuetus, which means used to. Meekness means, according to Matthew Henry, and the way they would have used this word in, in Latin is used used to the hand. Or used to the hand. Used. <laughs> to the hand which Henry says alludes to the taming of a creature wild by nature. Now the Bible actually compares our fallen human nature to the impulse of wild animals. God even says speaking of his people in Jeremiah chapter number 2 that they're like a wild donkey, describing his people, they're like they're like a restless camel. And that's not a very flattering description, yet that's how we are in our natural man before we're born again, and that's definitely how our flesh desires to act. So Matthew Henry, he draws this conclusion. Man's corrupt nature has made him like a wild donkey, but the grace of meekness when that gets dominion in the soul alters the temper of it it brings it to hand and submits it to management so meekness is the means by which god tames our sinful soul by taming the temper subduing this absurd uh, uh, the assertive self of my way and this is the direction that i want to go calming our passions Managing the impulses of the heart, bringing order out of chaos in the soul. Some of you might go to work and one of the, maybe, maybe one of the, one of your coworkers or or the partners in in the company that you work at, they're self-appointed, they're, they're overbearing. He tends to always be throwing their weight around. He's short-tempered with the staff, demanding, always insisting on his own way. The man is not happy. You can see that. There's turmoil, there's there's frustration in his life, and it begins to boil out, maybe in like the break room or, or or times of of where you're just communicating with one another. It affects the people all around him. If that man learns meekness, it will change his temper. It will bring it to hand. I want you to think about a horse for a moment. I'm I, I'm not really much of a, a horsemen or or anything like that and we have some folks even in our church that, that that have this kind of mindset but I want you to think of a horse that's not yet been broken it bucks right it, it, it kicks and when someone goes near to it it resists the bit it resists the, the the bridle it's not used to the hand but when it get when it gets used to the hand When it gets used to that that, that breaking, that that, that man or woman that's an expert in, in taming that horse, they become a horse of dignity and of poise. The animal becomes at peace, and it's altogether different than before it got used to the hand, before it got used to the human touch that could break it. See, in our flesh, we're all like that unbroken horse. We resist God's hand. We, we kick against Him. And as long as we're fighting God, as long as we're doing that, we cannot experience this peace that is already residing within us in the person of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. So this is something that we already have, yet when we're kicking against this, when we're resisting God, we're not going to be experiencing the Holy Spirit's power within us. As long as we're at war within ourselves, the turmoil is going to spill out over to the people in our family and in our workplace. Back in May, uh, our family, you know, did a little bit of traveling. We were supposed to do it the year before, but obviously with the uh, torn meniscus, we kind of had to uh, punt to this year. And we were going to different national parks And one particular time we were in Denver, that way I could fly home because I wanted to to be here for that Sunday, but we were at a hotel where, and and Danielle's in here and she'll know this, we were at a hotel where the elevator was extremely slow. I mean extremely, that's going to be great online later, slow. Slow. Like it seemed like it took a whole minute to go one floor. You know what I'm talking about? It probably didn't, but it certainly felt like it. And I got on. My kids weren't with me at this particular time, and I I got on the elevator with a man that clearly was struggling with the elevator. By what he was saying. My ears were hearing that he was extremely frustrated with how slow this elevator was going. And then it stops, apparently not on his level, to get somebody else just adding to his aggravation. How many of you know what I'm talking about? A couple of you. Okay, I appreciate that. You know, I was a little frustrated too. But this man, it was bubbling over to the point where he's now cursing. Now, I don't know, maybe he had to catch a flight this particular airport was extremely close to uh, to the uh, this hotel was extremely close to the airport so maybe he had to catch a flight maybe he was carrying an immense burden in his life or maybe there was some kind of turmoil and he was trying to get somewhere quickly all of those things are possible who knows the burdens he was carrying but it was beginning to spill out without meekness We slide into this internal conflict of soul that manifests itself on the outside in anger, frustration, bitterness, resentment, and turmoil. Meekness tames the temper. Meekness subdues the self. Meekness calms the passions and brings order out of chaos in the soul. Meekness calms. It soothes and subdues. When I began to realize this, when I kind of was doing my deep study and reading and trying to kind of understand the topic, I began to say to myself, if this, is what, if this is what Jesus is meaning and this is supremely blessed according to the Beatitudes, blessed is the person that, that is meek, I wanted to get everything I could. I wanted to absorb myself with it. Now why should I get as much meekness as I possibly can? This is exactly what I need and without it I will find myself in endless turmoil. This won't be up on the screen but Thomas Watson I've quoted from this book many times in the series on the beatitudes he says it this way by nature the heart is like a troubled sea casting forth the foam of anger and wrath meekness calms the passions it sits as a moderator in the soul quieting and giving check to its tempered distempered motions. Meekness of spirit not only suits us for communion with God, but for conversation with man. So if this is what meekness is, then I want to get as much of it as I can. I want to learn. I want to, I want to, I want to strive for this, this. Remember we were talking about the mourning and the different types of mourning and how it couldn't have been just the physical mourning like with death? Because Jesus is saying, we need to pursue these things. None of us want to pursue the mourning when someone passes, When we, the, mourning, the loss of something. And so it's a spiritual mourning, and we ought to strive for that. We ought to get as much of the humility of brokenness over our sin before the Lord as we possibly can. Well, when it comes to meekness, we ought to want the same thing. Charles Spurgeon, he gives five words to describe meekness. It's humble, gentle, gentle patient, forgiving, and content. So what that means is that meekness delivers us from pride, harshness, anger, vengeance, and sinful ambition. Jesus, my friend, is calling us to something very wonderful here. It is blessed beyond measure. Grow in meekness and you're going to gain control over your anger. Meekness is going to moderate your passions. It's going to subdue your impulses. Meekness will change the way that you speak. It's going to give you control over those harsh words. Well, I'm just, I just couldn't help it. Now meekness is going to help that. It's going to tame that. So you don't have to say those sharp put-downs. You don't always have to, to win the argument. You don't always have to get even. You don't always have to, to, to one-up. No, you can just be meek about it and just allow it to pass. Grow in meekness and you're going to discover contentment, Spurgeon would say. You'll be reconciled to the position of who you are in Jesus Christ. Meekness is going to help you to accept the difficulties that you face and even to see the hand of God in them grow in meekness, and you're going to enjoy peace, my friends. Meekness is being used to the hand. Can I put it another way? Let me, that's kind of how those guys of yesteryear, let me, let me put it in Ryan's language. You ready? Meekness is about submission. We don't like that. That flesh us. Man, I don't I don't want to submit to anybody. Speed limit? Hello. Right? We don't want to submit to that. We had an awesome 4th of July. I hope you did as well. Um, one of the things that we got to do this year that we've never done before, and it was awesome. We got to go to the flight deck of the midway which is down in the San Diego Harbor to watch the fireworks. Best $20 investment I've ever made when it comes to that kind of stuff. Just totally worth it. And they said that you weren't allowed to bring any food onto the Midway. And I wasn't trying to be a rebel. I really wasn't. Uh, We had packed a dinner and we were going to kind of be at a park because there wasn't this timeline to where normally you have to kind of go to the beach and you have to hang out there for like six seven hours just to get a good spot so having a ticket to go on the midway was awesome you get to roll up at seven o'clock and you're good to go but one of the things is you can't take any food on well we were a little let me just say i was a little knucklehead and we brought the whole bag of chips eric the whole bag how in the world are you supposed to eat a whole costco size you know what i'm talking about those kettle chips anybody hungry say amen i'll keep preaching unless you say amen Just kidding. (laughs) We brought the whole thing. And then lo and behold, someone didn't like necessarily those types of chips. And so they got a bag of like the healthier ones, you know, the kind, yeah, like apples and stuff like that. The whole bag. And I'm like, you're not allowed to bring anything on the ship. So I was like, hmm, I don't like this whole submission thing, right? Please tell me I'm not the only one. You're sitting there judging me, right? I can't believe. It. So we would like, we, you know what we did, Mike? We kind of hid it under like, we, I had a backpack and we like put like blankets on top of it and the water bottles on top of that. Just evil, sinful man just confessing right in front of you. You're, you're, you're my booth this morning. Okay. I don't mean to make fun. I'm sorry. And so we're going through the checkout guy and he's got drumsticks, literally Eric drumsticks because they're not allowed to touch our bags, I guess. And he's like digging around there and he starts digging down to the bottom of a backpack. I hear a crunch I'm like oh no and someone somehow got his attention and he started to kind of go there and he just put me I'm like yes chips are saved submission it's hard now that's a funny illustration and probably shouldn't have had food on there I mean the heart genuine I just I didn't want to throw away a whole bag of chips we'd eaten everything else and we just weren't thinking kind of to put it in the baggie there but meekness is about submission Submission means you put your mission, your life, your your, who you are under, sub, the mission of someone else. I take the dreams of my life. I take the hopes of my life. And I say, because you are Lord, I am going to put all of that under you. That's what a Christian does. Christ calls me to put all the hopes and the dreams and the plans under his mission. That is what meekness does. It submits to God. And Jesus says that people who do this are blessed. There's a blessing that is connected to this. The meek place, all things in God's hands... And they find their, into their surprise that God often, not all the time, but often he'll put those very same things back in your hands. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Say amen. You can think of something like, okay, God, I'm going I'm to give this over to you. I'm going to submit this over to you. Just a find later he says, well, that was actually part of my plan. And now you actually get to enjoy it rather than I'm going to keep this from you, God. And somehow he maybe even could take it from us. So that's what. That's what Jesus is saying here. The meek will inherit the earth. So let's let's flesh this out a little bit here. Meekness is, first of all, submitting to God's Word. Submitting to God's Word. See, James tells us in James chapter number 1, he says, receive with meekness the engrafted, the implanted word of God, which is able to save your souls. But you receive that with meekness. You submit to that. The evidence that a person really submits to God is that they do and believe what Jesus says. Later in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said in Matthew 7, Therefore whosoever heareth these sayings, this entire, really the entire sermon, but of mine, and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which buildeth his house upon a rock. So, a church where the Bible is taught clearly, valued highly, is a wonderful place to be, because all of us, our lives can be nourished, our lives can be strengthened under the Word of God. That's how a Christian grows. But a church where the Bible is esteemed, a church where the Bible is taught and and gone through and valued can also be a very weighty place to be because all of us are responsible for what we hear, especially the one shoveling it. You know what I mean? The one giving it. I have to adhere to what I am teaching and to preaching, and of course that is a, um, a, a, it's an encouragement to anybody that teaches and preaches in our ministry here, that we are to, to, to be responsible for what we hear. So let me ask you a question. Do you receive, receive the word of God with meekness? James says that we are to receive the engrafted, the implanted word of God. It's ultimately what will save our souls. So the Word of God is what teaches us that we need a Savior. The Word of God is what teaches us how we are to be saved. Now remember, the Beatitudes are not how to get to heaven. The Beatitudes, they will teach what a Christian is like. It it gives the the evidence. We looked at that the very first message of this series. So do you receive it with meekness? See, the self-willed person hears what God says in the Bible but reserves the right to disagree. Now, God may say that, but you know what? I don't really believe that. Now, that's why I'm very cautious. You don't get a lot of, well, this is what, this is what Ryan believes. This is just, we, I just preach and teach the Word of God. Let's expound and let's explain the Word of God. Because when it comes to the Word, we shouldn't really be able to, eh, I know you said it, God, but I just don't really believe it. I don't like it. That may be what God says, but it's not what I want. It's not what's going to be in my life. Or worse, we might even say, this is what I want, so it must be what God says. I'm going to do it anyway. Meekness, hear me, is the ability to adjust according to the shaping influence of God's word. Have you ever wanted to do something or be involved in something or say something and then the Holy Spirit of God just stops you? That's a gift, and it's, he uses the Word of God, right? And so what we learn in the Word of God, so we want to do it. What meekness does is allows us to be shaped by the influence of the Word of God. You become like a, kind of like a soft wax so that God's Word may make an imprint on your life. So we submit to God's Word. Let me say, secondly, this isn't like super rocket science, okay? We submit to God's will. There are times in the life of every single Christian, of every single believer, when God puts you in a place that you would not choose to be. It might be a difficult circumstance. Maybe that's at work. Maybe that's within the family, right? Maybe it's a difficulty in the church or regarding your health or our society. I mean, First Peter was all about that when we went through verse by verse through First Peter. So when God brings you to a place that you would not choose unbelief, if we're not careful, begins to rise up from the flesh. And that's always going to resist God. That's going to be like, well, God doesn't love me if he's bringing me to this place, if he's allowing this in my life. Well, that's a lie. We know that God loves us. Why? The Word of God tells us over and over and over again, all you got to do is look to your salvation, and it's really enough. Look to the cross. God loves you. If we're not careful, resentment grows. Envy begins to kind of settle in, and we begin to look at others, and we can say, well, why? why doesn't she have to go through what I'm going through? Why does she get blessed in this way and I don't get blessed in this way? And if we're looking through a lens of religion like JV's talking about, we'll go to all the things that we're doing. I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. I'm I'm, I'm abstaining from this, I'm abstaining from this. God, you must be blessing me. And you're going through a hardship. And you're going to look at somebody else and you're going to be like, well, why are they blessed? It is his will that he's allowing you to go through that difficulty. All things work together good. All things work together for good to so them love God. And so God in his, in, his, in his infinite wisdom in his sovereignty that we don't fully always understand we've got to just submit to it is that God has a will and he's bringing it into our lives even if we don't want it. What does meekness look like When God puts you in a place that you would not have chosen for yourself, what does that look like? Well, come with me for a moment to a garden. It's late, it's dark, it might even be a little foggy. As you're walking through this garden, you'll find that there's some men asleep. You go a little bit further into this garden and it's dark and it's late. You'll find a man that's literally just almost limp over a stone, just sweating great drops of blood. You can tell this man is in, 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 great, in great sorrow. This man is, is, is literally just sweating profusely in agony of soul. And The man says, Father... If it's possible, can you let this cup pass for me? Father, if, if at all possible, can you let what I am getting ready to go to do, can we not do that? But the meek and lowly one, the gentle and lowly Savior says, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. That's meekness. That's a portrait of what I want you to have in your mind. Jesus submitting himself, who is God, to the will of the Father at an unimaginable cost. And that, my friends, is what Jesus is calling us to. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the meek. Have you become used to the hand of God upon your life? Sometimes that hand is of of, of an uplifting nature, and it's wonderful, and it's full of celebration. And sometimes that hand of God upon your life is full of sorrow and hurt and weeping. Have you gotten used to the hand? Or are we constantly kicking against it? constantly, God, fix this situation so it can be just the way that I want it. You know what we need? We, I'm going to include myself in that, we need to learn what meekness is. Now this is a weighty topic. So remember, you don't start with meekness. If you're struggling with meek weakness this morning, you know where you start? Lord, I'm poor in spirit. I'm bankrupt in this area before you. For theirs is the kingdom of God. And you start the momentum. Remember the monkey rings? I was gone a week, so I didn't get to remind you. Remember the monkey rings? This is a momentous thing. You start where you have to be, bankrupt before the Lord, and instantly you get the power and the infused to go on. Meekness. Are you used to the hand? Or are you like the wild donkey kicking against the call and the claim of Jesus Christ? Are you at war with yourself? And all the while your conflict is spilling over into the lives of the people around you. Submitting to his word. With meekness, the engrafted word, the implanted word, James tells us. Submitting to God's will. I don't want to do this, Lord. But nevertheless, I'll go forward. Let me say thirdly, submitting to God's people. We doing okay this morning? All right? All right? Preaching long. I'm making up for Sunday school. Love you, JV. I wasn't. Submitting to God's people. See, in Ephesians 5, Paul describes what it looks like when God's people are filled with the Holy Spirit. They begin to sing to each other, they sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, it tells us. They're constantly giving thanks. You know, um, Ephesians 5.18, be, be not drunk with wine, where's the nexus, but be filled with the Spirit. And then he goes on to singing to yourselves, uh, constantly giving praise. But there's another evidence of a person who's filled with the Holy Spirit. They submit to one another. Ephesians 5.21 says, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. See, if you're not part of a local church, within the context of the letter to Ephesus, which is a local church context, if we're not a part of that, let me ask you a question, to whom do you submit to? This is a serious question. How can you do what God asks you to do in Ephesians 5 if we're not committed? See, meekness, hear me, meekness, oh, please don't miss this, grows, grows through the discipline of committed relationships in the body of Christ that God has gifted to believers. That's why I miss this place. I told Mike, I told a couple of them out there, I miss this place when I'm gone. Why? Because you're awesome. You are a gift to me within the body autonomous, self-directed Christians, they miss out of the blessing of meekness. So hear me, if the pattern of your life is to walk away every time a person upsets you, you're not going to ever be able to learn meekness, because meekness can only happen when you're upset or you're out of whack, so to speak, when you submit yourself to God in the middle of whatever it is that you are going through. Now, there's an important distinction to be made between the submission of God's word and between the submission of God's will and people. God's word and God's will, non-negotiable. People is a little bit different, right? Because the word tells us in the book of Acts that we are to obey God rather than who, class? Man. So we don't always have to be in submission to people around us. But let's, the context with which they're saying that was when they were being told that they couldn't preach the gospel. So they're like, you know what, I'm going to obey God rather than man. Often what will happen in our relationships is nowhere near on that level. So the normal pattern of healthy Christian relationships is that we submit to one another in the body of Christ. Meekness is formed out of the difficulty of doing this. Paul writing to the church, that Philippi said in Philippians 2:3, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory or selfish ambition, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. That means that I must listen to what others are saying and to what others think. And I must give weight to it, even if I feel I'm right. Did you hear me? It's listening, it's hearing, it's giving weight to what that other person is saying and believing and experiencing, even if you think, I'm right. It's meekness, okay? I'm gonna let you win here. Husband and wife, This is a reality on almost a daily basis. We don't always have to win. I was gonna say fellows, but sometimes that's ladies too. I'm gonna esteem the other person. I'm gonna elevate them. Submission, I'm gonna sub, I'm gonna come under. I'm gonna let where you wanna go eat. That's just a simple example, right? What do you want to do? Rather than it always has to be what we want. We doing all right? So let me very, very quickly, because I know what time it is, give you four snapshots of meekness in action. I'm going to do, do it as quick as I can. Because I want you to be able to connect the dots with what it looks like actually in practice of Scripture. See how difficult this actually can be for Christians. How about when you are opposed? When you're opposed Okay, Numbers chapter number 12 tells us something amazing about Moses. It tells us that he is an extremely meek individual. And it tells us in Numbers 12 that at the the time, he was the meekest person on the earth. So you you think about what was Moses going through? Well, why does the Bible say this? Well, think about what he had to endure. Obviously, God calls this man out of retirement. To lead a people of Israel who'd been in, in, in slavery for 400 years, there had to be all kinds of pressure that came with leading God's people out. But by God's grace, Moses does lead them out of Egypt. They, excuse me, they cross the Red Sea. He leads them to Mount Sinai where God makes this beautiful covenant with them, gives them the Ten Commandments. And you would think that these people would be grateful for Moses, right? You would think that they would be, oh, this is incredible. Well, Exodus 17, verse three says, and the people thirsted there for water and the people murmured against Moses and said, wherefore is that he hath brought us up out of Egypt to kill us out of our children and our cattle with thirst. Can you imagine that? By nature, my flesh would have been like, are you kidding me? Are you serious? Look what God, look what God has done. We're no longer in slavery. God is literally providing for us on a daily basis with manna. God has made this awesome covenant with us. And yet, what are they doing? They're complaining. They're murmuring. I would have been so upset. Yet, that's not what Moses does. Moses begins to intercede for them. Moses begins to pray for them. Moses is like, God, I will will give up on heaven, so to speak, if they can go. Because God was fed up with the people. Meekness. You're opposed. That's far from meekness being a brand of weakness. Should be obvious by now that meekness really is beyond us. That's why we go back to the first one. But in Christ we have it all. When we're provoked, provoked, I want to go quickly through here. Second Samuel talks about when King David came to Beharim. There came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera. He just cursed him, threw rocks at him. I mean, he's just brutal constantly brutal towards him. Abishai, who was one of David's loyal men, he didn't think that the king should have to put up with this. And he said, why should this dead dog curse my lord, the king? Let me go over and take off his head. David says, leave him alone. Let him curse. Meekness. Shimei showed extreme, unjustifiable provocation. Towards the king of Israel and David put up with it. It would have been so easy for David to just say, Meh, get rid of it. You can read all about this in 2 Samuel 16. Just going to go quick for time. But he puts up with him. He's being provoked. How easily could God just crush sinners and just kick them into hell? He could. But God gives us chance after chance after chance after chance. How about when you're disappointed? Sometimes we're disappointed because our expectations are unreasonably high. Often that's where I'm at. But surely after all of the ministry that Paul had poured into the lives of so many believers, don't you think it would have been reasonable that when he was brought before charges and brought before the, 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 just the, the law, that someone would have testified for him. That someone would have come to his defense. That someone would have said, Hey, no, no, Paul is, and said whatever. Someone to stand with him. But Paul says in 2 Timothy 4 6, At my first answer, no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray, God, that it may not be held, laid to their charge. How would you feel if that happened to you? And he prays for blessing for the people that forsook him. That's meekness in action, in action. Let me give you another one. When you're injured, when you're injured, First Peter 2, 23 says, who when he was reviled, reviled not again, when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Christ could have said with absolute justice, you stop it right now, you have no power over me, you're done. But no, his justice is tempered with great mercy. And instead he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It's meekness, meekness. First Peter two, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness. By whose stripes ye were healed. Meekness is seen in bearing wounds. Meekness is seen in forgiving injuries. Meekness is seen in returning good for the evil that we've received. Matthew Henry in the Discourse of Meekness said this, If this is Christianity, then Lord, help us. How little there is of this among those who claim the name of Christian. We are called Christians. We name the name of the meek and lowly Jesus. But how few are acquainted, uh, acquainted, uh, it's a hard word, by spirit, excuse me, or conformed to his example, acquainted. We don't know it. We've got it in him, but we're not not experiencing it. We live in a land of lawsuits where where there's been a loss of civility in public discourse, conversation. We can't even talk with people anymore that differ. Help us. We ought to be able to talk with people that differ with us. And Christians ought to start with it. We live in a world with attack ads, Attack websites. This is what happens when the world creeps into the church. It's much easier to be like Shimei than it is to be like David. But here's what David has David had the spirit upon him, and you have the spirit within you. That's the difference, church. The difference is, is that we can walk out these doors and we can submit to God's word and we can submit to God's will and we can submit to God's people and we can be, injustice can come unto us, hurt can be, come, come unto us, things can be said about us and we can still live in a meek way. The meek shall inherit the earth. Now there's a lot to be said about that phrase and let me try to summarize that as we close. Originally, God, of course, had promised to Israel the land. But even further than that, God had promised man the earth. God had given dominion over the earth, the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, all, all the animals, God gave them dominion over the entire earth. But what Jesus is saying is that when you become a believer, do not miss this. When you become a believer and you are meek, you enter the kingdom and you do so into its original inheritance. Paradise is regained. That is not just spiritual talk. We, as believers, can experience heaven on earth. Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, they understood that completely christ is the complete game changer are you experiencing it or is life hell for you you all know him and maybe we've even experienced it in ourselves and i I pray that we experience it more but But you know them. Think of them. Think of that man or think of that woman. Think of that, think of that godly that that husband and wife or the set of parents. And no matter what comes their way, they're still joyful. No matter what, they lose a job or something horrific happens, they still have joy. That's what we're talking about here. Heaven on earth will we not ultimately gain the earth? Ultimately, we're going to reign with Jesus Christ through the millennial reign. Rick Hauck taught on that a couple weeks ago. Ultimately, the believer, we're we're going to to rule and we're going to reign this earth with him for a 1,000 years. Jesus is saying the people in the kingdom, they're going to inherit the earth, and the only ones who are going to enter the kingdom are the meek not the proud. We don't come to God with anything. No, we come to God empty-handed. We come humble. We come meek before him. We come submissive to him. The only way to heaven is through a cross. How much sense does that make? It's God's plan. It's God's will. And so we submit ourselves to the cross. We submit ourselves to Christ. The ones that are broken over their sin... Not the ones who don't think they have any sin. The ones who are mourning over the fact that they are lost. Not the ones who are laughing about the fact that they're supposedly all right. The difference between somebody that is going to spend eternity in heaven with Christ and the person that's going to spend eternity in hell apart from Christ is they realize they are a sinner and Christ came to die for that sin. That's the difference. Running to the rescuer, Jesus Christ. Not, I'm good. They're not going to inherit the earth. They're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. We desperately need to rediscover the meekness to which Jesus calls us to here. And how can we do that? Listen to what Jesus said later in Matthew. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek I am gentle I gave you that book a couple weeks ago and lowly and you will find rest for your souls Ryan I'm struggling with meekness me too run to the one who is meek Run to the one that is lowly. When Jesus opens up who he is, he's getting ready to say, hey, this is who I am. He doesn't say, I'm holy, I'm awesome. He is those things. He says, I'm meek and lowly. I'm gentle and I'm lowly. You know what he's saying? My arms are wide open. Come unto me and find rest. Struggling with Meekness. Run to Jesus, I'm poor in spirit, I cannot do this on my own. Yours, theirs is the kingdom, is, present tense, is the kingdom, it's yours. Now you start on this journey, you begin to mourn over the sin and having a lack of meekness and anger and pride, all of that is sin, and you begin down the journey So ultimately, you're going to be able to say, hey, I'm hungering and I'm thirsting after righteousness. That life is beginning to grow inside of me. And then you're going to be able to bear the fruit later of mercy, forgiveness, which are down the road. Jesus says, bind yourself to me. Jesus says, walk with me. Jesus says, I'm meek. So learn meekness from me. And you'll find rest for your soul. Let's run to Jesus right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed.